Welcome to the UFTA Podcast. Hosted by Emily O'Connor and Jordan Rudolph. The UFTA Podcast brings you a surprisingly fresh take on everyday topics in health, fitness, and everything in between. We want to open the door to explore new information and new solutions in a way that's easy for you to understand and apply to your own life. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode eight of the UFTA podcast. I am here and joined by Emily O'Connor, coach extraordinaire, Emily O'Connor, and myself, Jordan Rudolph. We are happy to have you back on the show. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you for listening, and thank you for uh, joining us for, uh, which is now eight episodes, so approximately eight hours of your life uh, that you've trusted with us. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, Happy to be here again for this next episode, uh, diving into some pretty fun things today, as as always, as usual. Um, so we're glad that you guys are enjoying the podcast as much as we are enjoying recording and, and riffing on different topics for the podcast. Yeah, I think we're going to... I don't know how many episodes we're going to do. We talked about this a few episodes ago, but maybe 10 to 12 episodes in this season one. Mm-hmm. Take a little break, and in that break... That's when we're going to game plan what we really want to try and focus on through the seasons. But that's when I really want to try and get the guests like scheduled and bring them on for season two. Right. Right. Okay. Really, really, really push them in and and get them going and kind of get a new aspect of, of what we're going. And if those go better, then we know what we need to focus on and where we need to go with the podcast. But also not losing the feel that you mm-hmm. and I created here, too. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I think being able to kind of organize this in seasons and take that breather in between so that we can really kind of game plan, get everybody's feedback, what they want to see, who they want to see, hear, et cetera, will be good. Lots of people, like we talked about last week, lots of people are interested and are excited to be on the podcast. Uh, multiple chiropractors, multiple physical therapists, multiple uh, local people, um, members want to jump on and talk talk a little bit about their journey. Uh, one of our coaches wants to jump on and talk about different stuff too. So we're, we're going to have loads of content going through and Guys, hopefully when you're listening to this right now, you're on Apple, right? And I say that, I'm an Android guy, but we are almost in the top 100. We might be in the top 100 now on the Apple health and fitness side of things. So if you're not listening to Apple, stop, turn it back off, turn it back on to two minutes and 15 seconds, and that'll be right where you're at right now. Start listening to it on Apple. <laughs> or at least just tell 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 the app that you did. Right. And, and rate, rank us. Press, press a download and then yeah, press you, know, download. you can listen to wherever you need there to go. listen to. There we go. There we go. That's an even better idea. Just pause, <laughs> pause, press download on Apple, and then come back. Yeah. Um, anything new you want to share to the listeners? Um, way to set it up, Jordan. Um, yeah, so my boyfriend and I got engaged this weekend. So very exciting news um, from my world. It was a complete surprise. I had no idea it was coming. Um, so yeah, that was my When's the wedding day? weekend. <laughs> my grandma asked approximately 25 minutes after we caught, we got engaged, we called her. Um, and that was her first question as well, but we're not sure, um, taking time to just enjoy, enjoy this moment. Um, the earliest I think we would get married would be the fall of 2023, um, would be like the earliest option, but we need to just take a breather right now, enjoy, celebrate, and Absolutely. then dive into all the wedding planning, which I know you're all too familiar with coming off your own mm-hmm. wedding this past fall. So, 
That I am. I might be actually officiating a third wedding, uh, coming out of retirement to do one as well. I actually have to follow up on that because that would be two months actually like from today of this recording is when it's happening. And uh, I'm still not sure if that's, if I'm actually needed or not. So probably I prob- good to follow probably up need that. to figure that out. Yeah. It was kind of thrown out there with a few alcoholic beverages in play and tongue in cheek. And then the next day, Hey, do you think he was serious about that? Mandy? Uh, yeah. He doesn't say things that he's not serious about. I'm like, awesome. Probably should figure that out. <laughs> Good to follow up on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you might be doing that too. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive in, huh? Yeah. What do we What do we got today? Um. So to overview, recap what we're about to talk about for our training fitness topic, diving into the world of wearable technology, um, in fitness, some of the downfalls, the uses, um, some pros and cons, if you will, there. In our nutrition side of things, we are going to talk about taking uh, ownership and responsibility for the work that you put in instead of putting that all on like the supplement or the diet or the tactic that you're currently trying. And then for our main topic, diving into comfort zones, uh, a little bit about them, kind of breaking out of them, how they can potentially hold us back, uh, and just diving into that kind of realm of fitness uh, as well. There are a few different things that you'll hear us go, uh, depending on the topic. There's a few different directions that I think we can take each one because we ultimately, we're not going to try to persuade you, you guys to do the way that Emily and I would do something, Emily or I would do something. We want you to know that there's multiple ways. There's several ways to skin a cat. And sometimes uh, we, we think that there's the one way that has to be done that way. And then we're so tunnel visioned in that way or in that certain thing that we don't even we're, we're we're not open to the other possibilities so i think there's going to be some interesting conversations happening when we when we dive into these uh starting with wearable technology yeah. and and going with that so that's wearable technology is is basically a feedback tool for for everybody and that could be something in terms of a step tracker that could be something in terms of your smartwatch or a fitbit something that does daily feedback daily data mm-hmm. it could be something uh, like a sleep tracker uh, whoop band an activity tracker I mean there's 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 tons of different gadgets out there and wearables out there and I, I think the the main buzz of them is probably over right like everyone kind of knows about them now there's nothing I like think new. so yeah I don't know there's been many like revolutionary brand new things I know there's a lot of people um, kind of still hopping in on the bandwagon in terms of like I know last I think it was last year that Amazon came out with theirs or two years ago um was actually kind of like a late adopter to to the wearable fitness game if you will um but I think recognizing all of the different ones and kind of being mindful of like how we use them is still more prevalent like everyone knows what they are and they know potentially what they can do, but putting too much stock in them um, and kind of the best practices and best uses is still kind of a more more current navigating, you know, tool for most people. I have two analogies here that I think of when I think of wearables, and you currently see me not wearing any, and I have, I have wore a whoop band religiously for, I think it was three years. Probably, yeah, because I had mine for like two and you had it way longer than me yeah so i think i wore it religiously like i had a streak of like a thousand days that i wore it so mm-hmm. i think it was three years then um 
the, the two analogies. One of them I think of is like a golf a, a golfer. So a lot of golfers are out there trying to work on their swing, and there are a ton of gadgets or tools or swing aids that will help you swing a better swing, and they will help you do that. Ultimately, though, the golfer has to feel what he or she wants wants to do, right? So the, the, the golfer still has to feel and know that stuff. They can't wear a swing aid when they're on the course. They can't wear, they can't do these things when they're on the course. So that's that's a big, that's a big deal. The other analogy that I have to, the, to these wearables, like you still have to, so, sorry, I'll wrap that up really quick. The wearables are a gadget or something that gives you feedback towards what you are doing. It gives you information. But you still have to do the work. You still have to put in that information. You still have to get it. You still have to kind of feel it and kind of mm-hmm. relay it out. The other part about these gadgets and the golf side of things, they're not going to be perfect every time. Wearables actually have a drastic standard deviation. They're, they're not accurate. A lot of them aren't accurate. Even the best ones aren't as accurate as we want them to be. We'll talk about more about that as we go through too. I think, I think mm-hmm. you have a lot to say on that too. So that's kind of my analogy there. The other part of it is supplements and wearing wearables to a supplement. A lot of people think they need a wearable to kind of help them get on track, jump on the wagon, get back going again and do this thing again when they really just need to, to put it forward. It's, it's giving them a little bit more motivation and energy to get forward into their goal and, and, and track their goal and stay on track with their goal. Supplements do something similar to that too where if you start new supplements or you have a new multivitamin, pre-workout, BCAA, EAA, sleep medicine, like you, you're going to try and there's there's a there's a different type of motivation and energy that goes into that mentally for sure whether it's a placebo effect or a nocebo effect or not there's still more of like ooh i'm excited to do mm-hmm. this i'm excited to get going again i think the wearables have that effect on people as, uh, as well yeah i agree i think it's always fun so background i've had many different brands and different types of fitness watches fitness trackers uh from fitbit i've had an apple watch i've worn a whoop band um i currently have a gps watch for more so running than not um but i've also done heart rate i have a heart rate monitor that i wear when i lift like i have all sorts of technology and i can personally relate to that and like every time i get a new one i have wanted to like try all the new features and i was really excited about the one that i ended up going with because usually a lot of thought goes into purchasing them so when you do make the investment, you purchase it, you want to close your rings, you want to get your steps, you want to try a new GPS route and like see how accurate it is versus all the maps, right? So I think there is an aspect to that and having like that external motivation. So many of them are designed with some sort of external motivation in mind, whether it's Fitbit congratulating you when you hit your step goal or the Apple Watch buzzes when you close all your rings at the end of the day, right? So I think there can be definitely an aspect to that external motivation factor. Um, But like Jordan was saying, you still have to be the one to put in the work. So regardless of if you're using one or not, it's not necessary to complete the work that needs to be done. It's just a tool that might help you kind of provide a little bit of that accountability uh, and external motivation. And we like that. As coaches, mm-hmm. we like that. Like we like to have people fired up and more in tune with what they're doing, more on board with what they're doing, uh, more compliant, more adhering uh, to the plan. Like we like wearables. 
Uh, we don't like it when people come totally dependent on wearables and they're only trying to chase the numbers or chase the, right? They, they for your example of, would you say closing the rings? Closing the rings on the Apple Watch. Yeah. yeah. If I don't, I don't, I have, I have zero idea what that means, <laughs> but if you kind of get caught up in actually chasing, chasing like closing the rings rather than just focusing on what you're supposed to be doing on. Mm-hmm. But that's also one of the things that the wearables do well is they gamify a little bit of your journey and a little bit of your progress, which helps make it a little bit more fun, easier to do, which is anything that makes it easier to do, we're on board with. Right. Um, anything that kind of gives you more buy-in, we're on board with, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, and, and nobody was more, loves to look at the numbers more than me. Like I, I looked at my Whoop numbers every day. I love to get my weekly thing, my weekly, my monthly thing, my annual thing. I would spend hours looking at it all, right? But doing it for three years and making sure it's on all the time, like I got it, I have a very good idea of how that works for me and how I needed to pay attention to it. And I used it more. For, mine was more for recovery, um, and I think Whoop does a very good job at that with your personal algorithm and how it updates every thirty days and yada yada. But do I wear one now? No. Will I wear one again in the future? Absolutely. But it's it's going to be for a tool that I need to to get to the next thing, which I think was what you wear yours for: GPS for your route. Yep. heart rate strap to check your intensities and in your workouts and if you accomplished your goal of of especially in interval training or heart rate training for sure yeah i use i use mine a lot for like interval training um especially my heart rate strap which we can kind of get into the whole we'll save that because i want to comment on what you just said um in terms of like the accuracy of them but before we get into that what you just said about how you wore one you learned what you needed to learn you felt how it felt, you knew the habits, and again, Whoop is very good at kind of telling you what habits have different effects. You learned what you needed to learn about your body, but you were also tuned in enough to now see, okay, this is what I need to do. Now, I don't necessarily need this, I just need to do these habits. Mm -hmm. So those actions are already built in, similar to how we can use, like to tie in another nutrition analogy, like tracking our food's a tool, but when we know exactly what we need to eat, we don't necessarily need to write it down. Mm-hmm. We simply use tracking to get us there in that short term mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is how much food I need to eat to hit this protein goal. And you don't need to write it down to know kind of what that looks like in a serving and on a day-to-day basis. So I really like what you said there. I think that's where some of these wearables can be very beneficial uh, in recognizing certain habits, what it feels like to move 10,000 steps a day, et cetera, et cetera, yep. where we can just do it without them. Yep. So um, kind of switching gears, diving into... Uh, Are you going to talk about your heart rate monitor? Yeah, that's what I was going to go oh. into the accuracy of it. Oh, yeah. gotcha, okay. Not, we're not going into nutrition. I yet. was like, oh, gosh. I'm going to talk about the accuracy yeah. of nutrition. I was, like, I was no. like, oh, she was bring something up and she's going to go right past it. <laughs> Skip it over. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think one kind of downfall of some of these wearables is the accuracy. A lot of them are wrist-based options. Um, like I mentioned, I've worn Fitbits, Apple Watches, the whole gamut. And for a while, I was wearing a Whoop strap and my Apple Watch. And I would see huge differences um, between heart rates, even on like the same day, the same workout, during the same thing. Um, and recognizing that kind of caused me to look deeper into it um, and recognizing there's different studies. Summation, all of them are inaccurate. None of the wrist-based ones really have enough accuracy when studied uh, in a particular environment. Um, 
I do not remember the details of the study, but I'll get it to link in the description so you'll be able to check it out. Uh, I simply remember that all of them across similar workouts had either overestimations, underestimations of heart rate, and the best heart rate monitor is, aside from being in a clinical setting, a uh, chest strap. So the ability to have that chest strap monitor um, isn't as easily usable um, from like a non-workout perspective as like, oh, I can just check my heart rate on my wrist. But recognizing that if we do want to get accurate data, investing in a chest strap um, is likely kind of the way to go there. And a lot of them can be synced, so it'll, like, for example, on mine, I have a chest strap, but it syncs, and I can still see it on my watch, but I just have to wear the strap. So recognizing as we kind of dive into whatever wearable you're wearing, there is likely an error there. So living and dying by the numbers that it gives you is not the best course of action, as opposed to, like we already talked about earlier, recognizing the habits and the actions that we need to take based on what the where whatever the wearable might tell us is kind of the way to utilize some of that data in a better and more applicable way to our goals, I think is probably the best way to describe that. I would agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the trick is to also make sure that, or the trap, if you just need to track steps, right, you don't need a, a, a $200 Fitbit or a $300 Apple Watch. Like, that's an expensive step tracker, right? Mm-hmm. You can get those for 20 30 bucks, And, again, not accurate, but good enough. And if you want to do an overall daily indicator, uh, Apple Watches have come a long way. The The Samsung Watch has come a long way, and they, they've, they've devoted millions of dollars into their technology side of things, especially towards, towards fitness and health. And that's kind of actually like if you remember the last Apple Watch, like that was their whole promotion over it, like how mm-hmm. good it got. Whoop 4.0 just came out last fall. They have totally different new uh, diodes that are that are used for indicating. They have four instead of two, and they have like the technology to do the the oxygen consumption and the the skin temperature one now skin too. Temp, yeah. Which that they got from Apple Watch. Like they're the technology's there. It's growing. It's just. Uh, it's also filling a need for what people want, right? And, and they and everybody knows that this is what they're going to go with. And mm-hmm. I had the old Whoop 3.0, whatever it was, but like I could tell you that if I stayed up an hour or two past my bedtime, I would sleep poorly and I would feel more fatigued, and I'd still have to wait. I'd still would wake up at the same time the next day. I could tell you that if I had three light beers, I'd still be okay. But three craft beers, I'm a piece of poop the next day in terms of recovery and maybe overall performance. Um, if I have more than three craft beers, uh, or if there's, uh, more than, I think it was, if I had the six plus alcohol drinks, like the weddings <laughs> or whatever happened, um, it would be a two day, there would be a two days of poor performance. So the alcohol stuck with me for 48 hours, not really hung over when I'm saying that either. Like I would sleep and I would get, make sure everything was good, but it, I would definitely, uh, wouldn't get the highest quality sleep. So I, I, right. I learned about those things. I learned about how. They did. I learned that I burned 3,500 calories when I walk our seven-mile golf course um, twice a week, right? So 14 miles on that part of it, 7,000 calories alone just from those. Like, I understood how those things, and again, I'm, I'm taking these in consideration that there's inaccuracies with a lot of them, too. Right. It's just getting an understanding of how your body operates and what, what the toll is on your body, I think, is the, is the main thing. But ultimately, if it helps you stay on track, adhere to the program... Uh, come into the gym more, do your workouts, eat better, sleep, try to stay stay more on track with your sleep. Like all of these things are good, mm-hmm. right? Just depending on how you're using them and 
how much you know you're, you're you're putting into them too yeah I think using them is the best part I think for a while like I personally didn't want to get a whoop because I knew that like whatever it told me I was gonna do whatever like I wasn't going to listen to the information that it got me right so I was like it doesn't matter if I know like the information because I'm not going to change what I'm currently doing like I was happy with where I was at at the current moment so I didn't get one and then when I did get one I was in a place to say okay I want to know some of these deeper things um like Jordan was talking about some of the habits for me one of my big ones is um eating late at night is not good like my sleep is terrible I never sleep well if I eat very late so I now know this so I can adjust on days that I get home from work at 6 30 7 o'clock at night I usually eat my what would be dinner before I even start at like four o'clock in the afternoon and then I might have like a small snack when I get home but my bigger meal is earlier so that's a I was in a position where I was like okay I'm willing to change this habit so let's learn about it as opposed to just getting this information and kind of sitting on it so I think that's one of the most important things as well with those wearables and different activity trackers is the ability to utilize and put that information into play mm-hmm. for you for whatever goal you're chasing yep so downfalls uses the good stuff of it all the things about wearables and how to use them yeah diving into nutrition mm-hmm. so on our nutrition today uh we are going to talk about stop letting a supplement, a diet, a protocol you're following, take responsibility for the work that you put in. Uh, Personally, this kind of hits home, I think seeing people credit others for the work that they put in is one of probably my most frustrating things right up there with uh, people getting in their own way and kind of not taking action on the things that they know they should do but aren't doing. So when we talk about this, a lot of times in health and fitness, we utilize strategies to get to a certain goal. And these strategies might be, you know, as simple as, or as simple as something as habit change, which isn't simple, but not easy. Um, Or we might, you know, start a new supplement, Jordan references earlier, where sometimes that can kickstart a change, right? Starting a new supplement, starting a new, you know, similar to wearing a fitness wearable, can give you a little bit of that external motivation but I think it's important to recognize that it's not all the supplement or not all the diet protocol that is doing that work you are the one that is doing the work you're putting in the time the effort the dedication to make the changes that aren't easy albeit they might be simple to reach the goal that you want to reach in the end term So I think recognizing that and having that little mindset switch and flip is crucial to kind of long-term success because it's unrealistic to think that we might take a certain supplement for a long-term. Maybe it is a short-term thing. Some we might. Um, I know we talked about that a few episodes ago in terms of, say, a multivitamin, a protein powder, etc., But some of the short-term supplements, we might not want to or need to take long-term. So we need to be able to build that kind of uh, self-awareness, self-esteem to say, hey, like, it wasn't all the supplement. I did that. Like, I did that work. 
that's the biggest thing that I think bugs me about certain types of programs or certain types of supplements or certain types of products that are out there is that, and I understand how marketing works, but I want you guys to understand it too. Usually if you read something like that, like it's almost, it's almost never quite as good to be true. And they're telling, they're telling you the story. The hard part is like these supplements or these products, these programs, whatever it is, these people are trying to take 100% of the credit over something that you did. And there is no supplement out there where I could just start taking it right now and do absolutely nothing. Like literally do absolutely, I could eat like poop. I could not work out. I could sleep whenever I wanted to. I could drink soda, drink beer whenever I wanted to. And if it's a fat loss one, like it's not gonna help. Like I still have to put the work in to do that. The supplement helps me want to work out more because I wanna make sure the supplement's doing what the supplement's supposed to be doing. And I wanna help that out more too. And therefore I might be doing an extra workout a week or I might be doing intervals that I dread, even though I love how they make me feel, uh, which I did yesterday, and and doing that stuff, right? So there, there, there's power that you're doing, you yourself, and the product or the program that when it's done, the product, the program, the supplement might ask for a review. It might ask for a testimonial. And then that supplement, that company, that like, like we've done it before with different transformation mm-hmm. challenges and whatnot too, right? Like we do it, but we are always very, very adamant on this is your journey. Celebrate your success and your hard work that you put in. We're trying not to take credit for the hard work that you did. And that's ultimately what we're, what we're trying to say here. Emily and I are trying to tell you is don't let the supplement, the product, the program take away the tremendous focus, intensity, sacrifice that you had to do or give up in order to make whatever it was possible, possible. Don't give all of that credit to somewhere else. Like, take that credit. You deserve it. You earned it. That's mm-hmm. yours. Don't give it away to give it to somebody else. Yeah, and I think that can be when we do fall in that trap of like, oh, yeah, it was just this one. Well, you keep going on the supplement route. This just It was the supplement that did it. Like, if it, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to do it. We can take away from that hard work. We can kind of take away from all of the things we accomplish. They don't feel as meaningful to us because it's not something that you are recognizing that you did. It's something that you are attributing to a supplement, a program, etc. So while they can help and they can assist and they can be tools that we can utilize, it's not only the supplement that helped. It's all of the things that went behind it. Like Jordan said, um, similar to kind of our wearables discussion, it's not the wearable that did the workout. It's not the wearable that got the steps in. It's you did that. The wearable simply brought it to your attention and supplements can kind of do the same, whereas they kind of bring that attention out and like, oh yes, like I'm taking the supplement. Like I probably should have, you know, a couple vegetables every now and again too, so that you know I get the most out of this investment in the supplement that I am taking. Yep, the the there's a great examples there that Emily just gave you, and it's and it's you're still doing the work and, and you're wanting to do the work uh, to make sure that the supplement's doing the best it's like you're investing money in that supplement or that program, right? So you might as well make sure that you see it through to the fullest. If 
for example, I am taking a, I just started taking the Burn AM Thermogenic yesterday mm. again, right? That is one that's Prestige Labs. Uh, take it in the morning and it is a all natural, non-stimulant based thermogenic that uh, helps mobilize fat, revs up your metabolism a little bit, basically turns a lot of your free fatty acids into mobilization, kind of helps bypass some different stuff, lipolysis, blah, blah, blah. There's some CLA factors to it as well. So that if I am more active and my nutrition is on point, I should have more free fatty acid mobilization and energy to use for me for something else than uh, thus therefore fat burning. Would I still get that off of just good nutrition, good working out, everything else? Yes. Mm-hmm. but the supplement might help me get more out of it. So the supplements are there to fill the gaps that you're unable to do or to help you uh, expedite some of the things that you're currently doing, but they're not taking the full thing away from it, right? So you, you still have to, I still have to do the intervals. I still have to do the strength training. I'm still sleeping well. I'm still very much on point with nutrition, uh, all the other stuff, but the supplement will help me get the most out of that possible where if I got to 90%, 95% before, right? Maybe right. a supplement helps me get to 95 to 100. Maybe it pushes me closer to 100 on a, on a consistent basis, right? That's, that's, it's filling my gaps, and that's, that's what you can use those for. The programs help you get more structure and more dedication. A lot of these times it makes it easier for you to say no to the things that you have to say no to, like a beer last night for me. I had to say no to a beer. Um, what did I have instead? A bubbly water. Hmm. And I was fine, right? I was fine. I was good. But <laughs> uh, I, I'm doing, so we're doing a, a, we'll talk about it in the comfort zone thing because I think yeah. there's a cool little lesson there too. But that's that's part of what now we're going through. But I'm not giving credit to uh, these supplements for it, even though I think the Prestige Lab supplements are like the best performance-based supplements I've ever tried. Um, and I can say that from an anecdotal standpoint and what I've seen it do for people too right yeah you're you're still taking that credit you're recognizing like okay i said no to the beer i was fine Mm -hmm. i was able to do that it wasn't that you know the supplement came out and said like no right can't do it but i think being aware of um kind of these traps and we touched on marketing but being aware of as you're looking into supplements and looking into programs kind of being aware that like People do say like, oh, this is the end all be all of supplements and kind of recognizing to tie back into one of our earlier episodes as well with our discussion on um, quality supplements and kind of caring about where your supplements come from. I think some of the best companies who produce supplements and again, bias because our our two are Unity Fitness and Prestige Labs (laughs) who we love, Um, but I think one thing that obviously we do and prestige does as well is throw that attribution to the person that executed it Mm -hmm. when you look at their supplement marketing you don't see like oh without this they wouldn't have been able to do anything Mm -hmm. you see oh this was able to take it to that next level yeah so i really liked that uh when we started working with prestige labs is something like that stood out to me as like okay like these testimonials aren't like I couldn't have done it without it. It is, this helped me elevate what I was already doing. Yeah. So looking at that, when you are looking at supplements from a marketing standpoint and knowing like, okay, like looking for things that help elevate, um, and obviously Prestige Labs and, and Unity, uh, our supplements are both kind of our go-tos there. Mm-hmm. So. 
Agreed. Agreed. You want to talk about comfort zones? Sure. You want to take it away? Yeah, comfort zones, guys, are what we tend to live in, right? So that, that it's, it's comfort. It's areas where we can function and we don't have to... Uh, I always say it's the safety area, right, where we don't have to worry uh, about doing something that uh, could throw us off, could cause us to sacrifice, could cause uh, shame, could cause uh, humiliation, could cause a setback, could cause us feeling down about ourselves. Like the comfort areas where uh, most of us lie in throughout a daily basis, Um, unfortunately, as safe as that can feel and as complacent, I guess you can say, as that could feel, as comfortable as that could feel, that's not where results are made. And everybody will get caught up in terms of that. And there's a lot of times where you'll make a lot of different moves and you'll you'll do a lot of different things that will be outside of your comfort zone and you'll continue to do, to do those on a regular basis for weeks and months and then you'll realize like that's your new comfort zone which means we have to get outside of it again. We have mm-hmm. to get, the, the results lie outside of the comfort zone is the is the simplest way I can say that. And uh, to know where that zone is and what you're getting benefit from and then knowing where you have to move outside of it and take it at certain areas and certain times is how you're going to continue to get sustainable results. But if you just want to take things easy and take things safe, you can't expect your body to want to adapt or adjust to that. Like that That's not how the body works. You and I both know that. Emily, you and I both know that. Mm-hmm. It's just not how, how you're going to get uh, continued progress. But if you're okay with being complacent and comfortable, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing it. Yeah. 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 I think um, one a term from biology, homeostasis, is kind of that normal of the body, if you will. Right? The body wants to be in homeostasis at all times. So when we go into a workout, we push the heart rate up, we elevate our body temperature, we start sweating, our body does everything it can to return back to that homeostasis after the workout is over, right? So it wants to be there and it will do everything it can to stay within kind of that homeostasis level of normalcy, of comfort, right? When we are uncomfortable, the body immediately kicks in, starting to bring down the heart rate, starts to start to cool down the body, right? Lower the body temp. So innately like within that even example you can see like we're working out is pushing out of that comfort zone now within a workout there might be a zone where you're comfortable working up into whether that be a certain heart rate level whether it's something you've done before and you know that you're capable of doing but like jordan was talking about sometimes those true results lie in what you haven't experienced yet or maybe in where you don't even know that you're capable of experiencing or achieving until you try so the ability to step outside and say you know what I'm just going to try this I'm going to push harder I'm going to try a heavier weight I'm going to move into a progression uh, etc will be kind of that key to you seeing that next level even if you don't see it without experiencing it first what happens to your body is that you we have apprehension, right? We don't want to always have to, the brain itself subconsciously does not want to deal with all of the crap out there like that, 
right? So it doesn't want to have to work harder than it has to. So there is a tremendously big line of defense against going outside your comfort zone that we are not even aware of. Mm-hmm. Your, your brain just wants to go on autopilot, wants to take the easy route at all times. That is just the way it is. We have to create a manual override to help us do that. That is often stimulated by an emotional trigger or need. Okay, we're, we're probably not gonna do something in, in outside of our comfort zone if there's not some emotion behind it. So we have to have some sort of emotion. If you are sick and tired of being the way you are, or being in pain, or not being at, being at the weight you are, or not being able to finish your golf round like you want to, or not being able to, right, insert your pain point there, then you're going to need to do something to change it. And to change it is scary. It is scary because it's outside your comfort zone. But if you don't give a crap about that, and if you don't care about that, then you're you're not gonna you're not gonna make a change. So I always have that adage like if you're if you're if you're gonna keep complaining about the same thing and not doing any, doing anything about it, like I'm not listening, right? And it's the same thing I tell our team in here. Uh, Emily's shaking her head a lot right now. She probably <laughs> knows where I'm going with this. And Mandy yes, actually brought it up in our <laughs> meeting the other day. Uh, our team members are not allowed to bring a problem up to me unless they have at least a solution in mind to have it. And that solution sometimes is uncomfortable, right? That that's It's it's outside in the comfort zone and, and whatever it is. So if you're complaining about the same things over and over again, it's probably because you're too, you're too comfortable. You're too scared to actually go outside of that comfort zone and do that and do something scary. But the thing is, like, there's never been a time where anyone stepped outside of their comfort zone and did something and hasn't and it hasn't been worth it. Yes, it can be scary. Yes, there could be more risk, right? But at the end of the day, you still get better. Your comfort zone grows. That's how the body and the brain are actually wired to develop, even though they are resistant to it. And a lot of times, oftentimes, it needs an emotional push. We cannot do it without emotion. We have to have emotion involved even us introverts and even us uh, people who don't like to talk about emotions, we don't have to necessarily talk about them, but we still have to at least acknowledge them and get vulnerable for a moment to make that step outside of it. Yeah, I think and I think emotions can be both positive or negative, yes. right? Yes. So when we're looking at this, like we brought up a lot of potentially negative feelings or negative emotions in terms of, unhappy with where you're at, frustrated where you are, not being in pain, etc. Those can be all negative, but acknowledging like some of these can be positive as well in terms of like, ooh, I want to experience this hike, right? I want to enjoy the summer biking, kayaking, etc. And all of those things can push outside the comfort zone as well. Um, by simply kind of experiencing the joy of the new experience, the excitement of running a new trail. Uh, that's a personal personal example, but um, kind of looking at those emotions as well and recognizing like, oh, it might not only be the negative that helps me push the comfort zone, sometimes it can be the positive. And when we can find that positive, oftentimes it becomes more enjoyable um, instead of potentially a resentment of what you have to do. So even if it starts as a negative, i.e. being frustrated where you are currently, being able to find something that 
also brings an emotion of excitement, joy, happiness, etc., can help you continue to move outside that ever-growing zone of comfort, uh, if you will, as well. The positive emotions that come from that are usually felt and more acknowledged after we, mm-hmm. we step outside of it. So it's hard. Negative, negative emotions are researched and much more shown to be what causes us to actually take action because we're more... Uh, fear and shame are like two of the biggest motivators out there in terms of emotions and what we feel. But there are also ones that we focus on, like Emily was just saying, like joy and excitement. So a lot of times people might be, for a quick example, apprehensive and scared to go up five more pounds because they might think that lifting weights, heavy weights, has gotten them hurt. Or maybe they have gotten hurt off of lifting a heavy weight before. And their body remembers that, their brain remembers that, there's apprehension. But there could also be excitement to kind of challenge the body too. And sometimes it's it's we default to the negative one first just because that's more of something that we are surrounded by, unfortunately. So we default to that one first rather than actually going towards that excitement. There's a lot of times where people will go to do an event and we're coaching them and they'll say they're nervous. I'm like, are you nervous or are you excited? Well, I'm excited. So what are you nervous about? Right? So then, so then we ask them what they're nervous about and then they kind of sit and think about it and sometimes they don't know. And... Um, a lot of times it's just the performance or because they're doing something now that they've they've trained to do and, and worked to do it. But the, the, the results that you are ultimately after, guys, is outside of your comfort zone. And it doesn't have to be much at all. That's the other right. part of it. I think a lot of times we think of the com- outside of the comfort zone as like a big thing, like a yeah. way outside <laughs> of it, right? Where it doesn't have to be that extreme. It doesn't have to be that much at all. We can just go just a touch in and we're totally... We're, we're, we're totally in that zone where, where we can get growth and development and results from it. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. And you also don't have to do outside of your comfort zone and everything, right? If you're starting a fat loss journey, you don't need to go into a gym six days a week. You don't need to completely change every, every single thing on your food and the way you eat and completely change, right? You don't need to do all of those little things. It's, it's little doses and little progressional doses that you go through it because like you've heard us talk before, those extreme uh, uncomfortable zones uh, are also unsustainable. That's that's why we don't want to go out at all anymore of the comfort zone because we've done that before on the extreme side. Yeah, like you said, I think some of those big changes can spur us almost coming back to uh, running back to that comfort zone versus some of the smaller, more sustainable kind of micro pushes outside the comfort zone, if you will, get us those small wins that create bigger wins so it's the you know it's the going up oh don't want to go up five pounds let's add the little two and a half pound change plates and just try it and oftentimes what we see is people don't even notice a difference in the weight when we add just that little bit and they're like actually i probably could go up again and just go that five pound mark and then they might notice a difference right but because we did those smaller less uh kind of scary less intimidating things first uh, it creates that desire. It starts to kind of get that snowball rolling, for lack of a better term, uh, and move into some of those bigger goals as opposed to trying right off the bat to change and flip 180 degrees with the rest of your life. And then you're running back like, oh, no, like too much, too big of a goal. Um, I think sometimes those smaller ones are like almost the way to go. Uh, especially if you're listening to this and you're like, 
what do I do first? How do I start pushing outside my comfort zone? I think find those very small attainable ways where you can say, you know what? I'm just going to get uncomfortable in this area and it's going to be tough, but this small action, I'm just going to start with this instead of starting with, you know, that 180 overhaul of everything that you're doing at one time. The comfort zones that you are currently in right now, like the one that you are thinking of on yourself, no one exists, is comfortable in terms of environment, in terms of safety. Like that's the that's the other primal need. Like we want to be safe, right? So safety is a primal need. Avoiding fear or not wanting to fee, feel fear is a primal feeling. So everything's driven back into these comfort zones. But as you take the courage and the confidence to help grow outside that comfort zone even just a little, like Emily was just talking about there, just the little things of one little thing that you can focus on, your comfort zone continues to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden the things that maybe six weeks ago, six months ago, six years ago that you were scared to do or didn't want to do are things that you're doing now. And you're doing them on a regular basis and you're doing them on like almost autopilot. Again, the brain recognizes that now as a comfortable thing. It can just keep going and going and going on it. And and that's kind of what we're looking for. You, you, We need to get outside our comfort zones in order to get these results, but we don't need to go extreme. We need to figure out one little thing at a time. And a lot of times we're resistant. How many times have you been in a nutrition consult, M, and we're talking about somebody with something and, and we're like, well, for an example, just re- referring back to last week's right. podcast, well, I don't eat breakfast every morning. I, I, don't, I don't like to eat breakfast. Okay, well, what if eating breakfast got you to the results that you wanted to do? And they're resistant to us because mm-hmm. they're they're outside of their routine, outside of their comfort yes. zone, right? Sometimes we don't even realize why we're saying no to something because it, it, it it's, it's something that we're not comfortable doing. And a lot of times, again, it's what are we sacrificing mm-hmm. to get that, right? Oh, I don't like getting up any earlier than I have to. Okay, what time are you going to bed? 11 o'clock. You can't go to bed at 10? Like, what's what's up between 10 and 11? Right, like, like there's, right. there's nothing good on TV, minimal, right? right? So, where where can we pick those? But the person's just comfortable, and I think a lot of times it's looking to see where those little wins are coming in. Again, you you harped on it three or four times on the little mm-hmm. things. Can't stress it enough, but we have to kind of have our body edge into those uh, outside of the comfort zones and the uncomfortable zones to uh, continue to have the little bit of that progress that we're after. And it could be in multiple different areas, sleep, nutrition, exercise, walking, meditation, uh, family time, relationships. Like, do I want to go and meet new people? I'm an introvert. Hell no. But (laughs) if you put me in a room with 26 other golf fitness professionals uh, and at a TPI conference, which I'm, I'm excited about, all of a sudden meeting 26 other people aren't so bad. My environment changed, guys. Mm-hmm. I have 26 new friends, yep. right? So there, there's, a, there's a lot of, there was a lot of uh, if you would have told me I got to meet 26 new people in the next three days and I just go, like I, I am, I'm shitting bricks, right? There's, 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 I don't know what to do. I don't even know where to start. Right, right. And I think kind of looking at how we can potentially change the environment to make that more successful, to run with like our breakfast example, right? going to bed a little bit earlier. What can we have for breakfast that's ready to go? So we change, it's not breakfast. You're not cooking up two eggs and pancakes and bake, like you're not making a breakfast spread, but what can we make? Smoothies were an example we used last time where it's easy, right? We're changing the environment 
to make the decision and the action easier and that habit easier to facilitate. So from a workout standpoint, right? Can we change where you're doing your workout, what you're doing for your training? Or can we do something you're excited about doing? Uh, can we change the environment that you're either going into or leaving uh, in terms of maybe it's laying out your clothes so we don't have to get up as early? Um, small kind of environmental setups to make pushing that comfort zone a little bit easier to do, right? You're still pushing it, but just making it a little bit easier on yourself. I think it's a good thing to kind of wrap this up on some of those ways. Like, how do we get people outside of their comfort zones? Yeah. Start small. Mm-hmm. Change environment or look into environment. What are some other ways? I, I, I think two, two of the ones that I was thinking of right off the bat well, I can think of mine. Do you, do you have some right now? I don't want to make sure. I want to make sure you don't forget yours. Um, the other one that I was going to touch on is like thinking of it, kind of framing it as an experiment. So kind of thinking Ooh, in terms one. of like, it's a good one. oh, if this doesn't work, I can go Who back. Cares? We yeah. have the option to Still go back. Still in the back, same spot. Yeah. Right? So looking at things, and we use a little bit of this with the breakfast, which is where I kind of got thinking about it, but in everything oh, if I go up to this heavier weight and it doesn't work, the worst thing that happens is I just go back down, right? We're just back where we were and we know, hey, now is not the time. Maybe next week, maybe two weeks, that's the time to do. Um, But kind of having that mindset approach of like, if I go up, if I push into a comfort level that I'm not comfortable with, there are ways to scale back. Like I can always go back from that. That's, that's a really good one. Experiment, master experimenters, we've talked mm-hmm. about that before, but just exploring because at the end of the day, the experiment, your conclusion is it worked or it didn't. Right. right? And, just trying and then new you, things. Yeah, you're just trying it anyway. So your doing is still there, right? We, we, we It's the Yoda talk, do or do not, or yeah, do or do not, there is no try. It's, it's still something that you're doing, but if there's not the result you wanted out of it, okay, not for me. It wasn't the experiment. Mm-hmm. What can I change next time? What can I try again? There's no risk, right? You take a lot of the risk out of it. So it's, it's a total experiment. The two that I was going to say is you pay. Like there has to be some sort of investment on your end, mm-hmm. right? So that I am I am a firm believer of that uh, personally, where if I pay for something, I'm probably going to do most likely to see it through, whether it's for a supplement or it's for a program or it's for expertise or coaching or a product. Like if I do pay for something, that will help me automatically get outside of comfort zone. We talked about that in the wearable technology. We talked about that in the supplements and not letting that take full, full proof just in this episode, right? Yep but something that you can pay for to do that. I think that's a big thing towards accountability and responsibility. The last thing then was some sort of, um, I don't wanna say coaching in this sense because I think that's the pay thing, but I'm trying to think of like partnership or, or, or um, accountability like account like, like like groups of people like, yeah. like ha- not, not, doing not doing it alone. Yeah, yeah, not doing it alone, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it that way. You have to find a community that supports it. So. The basis of it is just not doing it alone, where whether that's with a friend, a group of friends, or joining a community that is like-minded in that sense. Because the cool thing about that is everyone will be going through it together, but there's probably somebody in there that's done something like it before, and they can give you their experience of what happened and how, how it kind of goes through. But the, the sole fact that you that you know you're not doing this alone and you have a network is, is the biggest thing there. So easy steps. Yep. Take it easy, not not extreme. Change your environment. Uh, experiment. 
and know that it's an open experiment, open-ended, pay, invest, and community. community. We'll just say community. Yeah. Yeah. Those would be five ways to really help you get outside your comfort zones in certain areas um, and do that. So that's that's that would be something that we encourage you guys to do. I think that's one of the, actually, ironically enough, now I'm thinking about it, like, that sounds like a lot like how we market Unity. A lot of how we, we know coming to a gym is very intimidating for a lot of people. So we try to make this as comfortable and community-based as possible. You invest, you have expert coaches with you. We try to take it very small and one step at a time so you're not being introduced to too much too soon. And then we put you in an environment that's totally different but with other people that are like-minded with that and try to introduce mm-hmm. you to members to help you along the way. Like just thinking about it a little bit and, and I guess the experiment part's not quite there except for our first 30 days. But um, that's a lot of things that we, we actively try to do that for new members here at Unity. Yeah, well, I think and that speaks to like we change the environment. So when people do come in, then we have them kind of go through and then when they feel comfortable they're more able to take mm-hmm. those actions and push that comfort zone a little bit because usually when people come in, they are looking to push their comfort zone in one way or another, um, and they just need the environment to yeah. assist with that. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But those, those, those should be ways to help you get outside of your comfort zones so that you can keep getting results. It can be applied to any area in any mm-hmm. one thing, which is kind of cool too. Right. These aren't these aren't just things that yeah, not, I mean we're speaking of from health, health and fitness, right, but but it's not health and fitness specific. Yeah, that can go that can go for miles in whichever direction you wanna you wanna throw it at. For sure. I think that's all we have for this episode, Jordan. I think so too. Awesome. I think so too. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in uh, to this week's episode and all of the episodes. Uh, like we mentioned at the top, if you're not listening or if you listen to this whole episode not on Apple and you want to shoot over to Apple and throw a download on uh, there or give it a second listen, I guess, if you did something you missed, take the notes, etc. But regardless, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If there's ever anything you want us to cover, uh, shoot us a message, leave a comment, leave a rating, review, all the things, and we will catch you guys in next week's episode. Bye, thank everybody. You. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. Cheers.